evening. Welcome. Sri Sigurada Madhava Ki Jai. Sri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Guru Premanandi. Is that your wife? We never met before. Welcome. Nice to meet you. Finally. Okay. Abai, nice to see you here. Here for the whole weekend? Yes. Excellent. Yes. And Shamsaki, hello. Welcome home. Good to see you. Chidahari, back here. <laughs> Happily. Very good. So, um, this is usually a little bit of a smaller group in the evening here on Friday for the beginning, early beginning, I guess, of the festival. Although there's plenty of preparations that have gone on for it and continue to go on for it with cooking and all and uh, adjustments uh, in consideration of the weather. Um, typically, we would be at Saragrahi, right, at the, at the camp campground. Hopefully we'll get to do that uh, tomorrow evening, if weather permits. But uh, given uh, that um, I have uh, at request, and which is typically what I do, um, I decided to talk on a particular topic for a couple of the classes. And um, and um, the way that has usually played out is that I would uh, begin that tomorrow morning and in the evenings answer questions around the fireside. We're not at the fireside, but it's probably best um, for me to begin that uh, more organized uh, discourse on a particular topic in the morning. More devotees will be here, so we'll do that uh, Saturday morning and and Sunday morning, or maybe Saturday morning and Saturday night, and have questions Sunday and Friday, like tonight. I don't know, but <laughs> we're going to uh, we're going to talk a, a bit about uh, what's called the Jovana Jovana Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's a very interesting uh, concept and uh, one that um, is uh, particular to him, even though he's Krishna and not particular to Krishna, so I don't want to go too far into that, but it's a certain window into Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela that is interesting and significant leading up to, and we'll talk about uh, the uh, his, his sannyas as well. So I had the idea to uh, give a series of lectures on uh, significant points in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, um, a whole series of them, and I have spoken on the. Uh, of course, I've written a whole book on the on the the, pre- the uh, Mangalachar and the preface, sacred preface. It's called. It's available here. It's a bit heady, but a useful book. Um, and um, and then um, I did begin some lectures thereafter on the uh, Poganda Leela of Chaitanya. I think we discussed that here actually the boyhood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And 
is uh, Kishore Leela, who we haven't discussed, uh, but uh, follows that is the Yovana Leela. So it's um, anyway. I, I probably will try to continue that over the year or so, following picking out certain um, points of particular of, of interest and importance in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela. There's not enough uh, written about that, and, and often what I find what is written about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela is rather kind of information-like. Um, and um, <coughs> it, it, uh, in my estimation, it, it's a bit flat and likes uh, feeling, so we we'll try to I have some feeling for that, so <laughs> I'll try to <laughs> express it in uh, in such uh, talks and uh, maybe write something about it. So I'm already getting ahead of myself because, as you know, I'm in the middle of another book on a related but different subject. So, uh, what are the any any thoughts tonight? Anything we'd like to hear discussed? Any questions? on any topic. What's your question? My question is in uh, Brihad Bhagavatam Rita with the Vishnu Gita that discusses pros and cons of Smarnam versus Kirtanam. It doesn't seem to be too much discussion about the other Angas and I was curious as to why that might be. Mm-hmm. question is about the the limbs of Bhakti named Kirtan, Kirtanam and Smarnam, or Kirtan, you know, the meaning of, derives from the word root Kirti, means fame, so it means to glorify, um, an act of glorification, uh, characteristically um, through a song. There's Nam Kirtan, there's Guna Kirtan, uh, Lila Kirtan, Kirtan of the name of Krishna, for example, Kirtan of the qualities of Krishna, kirtan of the leela of, of Krishna, um, and of course the guna, the qualities, the form, the rupa, the leela, are all uh, in the name. And so, of these types of kirtan, nam kirtan is most um, most efficacious, and it is the type of kirtan that. Um, we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, largely preoccupied with and that he used as a um, medium for dissemination of his teachings. Narutam Thakur has nicely said it uh, in his prayer, his Bengali song. He says, Golokair Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. The Prem, which is the wealth, the riches of Goloka, that realm. Um, beyond the time-space continuum where Krishna Leela is eternally played out, the drama in the, of the life of the Absolute. Leela means drama, play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and the wealth there, mm-hmm. sometimes you may have, be familiar with the fact that descriptions of that place are... Um, such that, uh, for example, we hear that the the trees are kalpa briksha, mm. they wish fulfilling trees. It means you could get anything from them. 
sit in front of them and make a wish. Or we hear that the, the, the land itself is Chintamani, which is the said to be the philosopher's stone. Uh, it's, a, it's a wish stone, too. You, if you touch it to, uh, to lead, it turns lead into gold, for example. So oh, it's a very... Uh, it's a it's it's a thought stone, <laughs> uh, wish stone also. The Kamadenu, the Denu, the uh, the cows, uh, they there are others from uh, the milk from there fulfills all desires. So it's like this place where you get any get, get any could get anything you want, hmm? which might attract common people uh, to want to go there. But there's a pause. Uh, for the thoughtful, which really, when properly considered, gives the impetus to go there, an impetus that far exceeds impetus we could derive from the prospect of attaining wealth or uh, fame or any number of um, material acquisitions, positions, anything of this world. Again, the Kamadenu, the Kalpa Riksha, the tree, the cow, the earth, sounds like you, you get anything that you wanted. We all want a lot, fair amount of things. But again, with the thoughtful, um, when listening to such descriptions, hmm, hear or take notice of the fact that the people who live there are not sitting in front of the Kalpa Riksha trees and praying for any things. They're not milking the cows in pursuit of anything. They're not um, uh, uh, taking the Chintamani Dham, the, the dust from the Dham, and trying to derive from it any things. Uh, only, uh, uh, the, the, so something is driving them that... Um, exceeds all things is the point and it is the prem the love of that place this is its real wealth so to notice that you could be surrounded by the facility to have all things and be interested in nothing other than other than the name of krishna from which this prem comes hmm? so that's very extraordinary and this is for the thoughtful uh, readers if if you will <laughs> um but it tries to bring everybody in um, and uh, make them a little thoughtful, make them pause. Now, wait a minute. They don't want any of these things, and they could have them. What do they have, then? What is the wealth there? So Narottam says, welcome. Goloker Premadhan. From Golok, Goloker of Golok, Premadhan. The Prem is its wealth. Hmm? And it is exported to this world through the medium of, of Kirtan. Golokeya Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. Hari means, uh, Harinam means the Nam, the name of Hari, Harinam. And Hari is uh, said to be the favorite word, favorite name, excuse me, for Krishna in this realm, Golok. It, uh, it means to steal or to take away. And uh, the implication is that they all feel that he has taken or s taken away or stolen 
their hearts completely. This is such... So Harinam, Narottam says, Sankirtan. This is the through this medium of Kirtan, of the name of Hari, um, or other similar names of Krishna that pertain to that realm which is constituted of his relationships with different devotees. Names about, to speak of him in terms of those relationships, those are like primary names of God. There are secondary names of God, like Brahman, Paramatma, Supreme Soul, uh, you know, Creator, uh, Allah. But these are names in relation to this world, so to speak. The names that Prem derives from by by invoking, hmm, they pertain to a more intimate um, realm. Um, wherein, for that matter, the Godhead is not uh, viewed as God. The infinite is uh, takes on a finite-like appearance in order that there might be intimacy between the finite and the infinite. Because if the infinite maintains an appearance of being infinite, then we would feel infinitely uh, unqualified and small in his presence to interact in any other way than keeping some respectful, extremely respectful distance and engaged in, in, in worship rather than love. And there is a distinction between the two. In worship, as I often say, the object of worship is here and the worshiper is here and there is a distance between the two. In the love, that gap is bridged. The two become one. And as the two become one, they remain two. I know it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to fit between our ears. How can it be two and one at the same time? Well, that's what love is. Hmm? And that's what uh, makes the world, even this world, go around the shadow of it, which um, means that the world proceeds not necessarily on the basis of logic. Hmm? By logic, if we give one, give up one, we'll have one less. Here we're saying that we give ourselves entirely and we'll have more. And of course, that is our experience even on a material level. If we give, we gain, we grow. We grow by giving. Hmm? Now the art, of course, is to, is to hone the giving. You have to give without expectation of return and you have to find a place where you can give that can take unlimitedly. If you want to give unlimitedly, you have to find someone who can take unlimitedly. That's the idea of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, of Krishna. Hmm? Depicted as the center, the enjoyer, Rasaraj, hmm? the, 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 the king of, of, of uh, all, um, um, let's say, for the sake of the discussion, varieties of, of love. Hmm? Hmm. Um, a form of the Godhead that kind of transcends Godhood, even as it appears human-like. The two words go together. Krishna is as human as he is human-like. He's as human as he's not human. 
at the same time. So in that um, uh, uh, realm, then the what it's all about is the relationship between the devotees and uh, and the absolute, which turns the absolute into a child, into a friend, into a lover, so to speak, for the sake of intimate exchange. So the names like Radha Madhava or Govinda uh, Balabha, um, um, uh, Yashodanandan, and, and so forth, it all uh, speak about him in terms of those relationships, and those relationships are what we call prem, the full face of of love, of God, and so there that love of God is in those names, in the way that it's not in Paramatma, the Creator, hmm? which is a big thing for us, but uh, and important, but. At, by the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the Sankirtan of these primary names, we have access to this uh, extraordinary um, realm. Hmm. So, the wealth of there is exported here hmm, through the medium of Sankirtan, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the exporter, and he um, exports it, so to speak, by example. It's a, he's a very extraordinary example in the history of the uh, religious or spiritual figures, mystics um, in the world. Uh, it's really uh, a worthy undertaking to uh, point that out by way of objective um, comparison between the Buddha and uh, the the wise, the wisdom of the Buddha, the sacrificing of the Jesus of Nazareth, hmm? um, the uh, um, even the, the the romantic, mystical poetry of a, of a Rumi in the Sufis, a Sufi Muslim sector. So, taking from the major traditions and selecting, highlighting mystics over the centuries who have contributed so much to uh, human uh, society. It's just a lasting kind of uh, influence they have, impact they've made. Um, it, it, it will never go away. It's despite the fact that their followers over generations don't understand their teachings, misrepresent them, and uh, turn a doctrine of love into war, and so on and so forth. Um, their powerful impressions on the world are uh, such that uh, that um, uh, there's really nothing to compare to them. The, the longevity that they have had and will continue to have. This is my uh, opinion because they are they are supernatural. I've sometimes said it's it's easier to disbelieve if you like in God, but much harder. To disbelieve in love of God, as it appears in persons who actually have it and exhibit the symptoms of that, which, it, from an objective uh, point of view, which is people like to very much like objectivity today in terms of proof and truth and so forth, um, they exhibit uh, symptoms that are well 
supernatural. I was sitting once with my Guru Maharaj in in um, Hyderabad, and 50,000 people came to hear him speak. And um, I was on the stage with a few others, and uh, and uh, he was giving the lecture. And afterwards, he was very uh, um, enthused. And example of that was that he asked for questions, something that he didn't often do. And so questions came from the audience, and one of the audience, one member of the audience, asked, "Swamiji, uh, have you performed any miracles?" Hmm? Mm-hmm. Which would have been in his mind, you know, despite that he had just given a beautiful, uh, significant discourse, that someone like that really needed to hear. He was lecturing from Shishabdev's fifth. Fifth canto, uh, fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, Rishabh Dev's teachings, which are um, insightful and philosophical. Nayam deha deha bhajan riloke kastan kamanaharte bhikbhujam de. I won't give the English, but <laughs> some of you know it's it's very you know very kind of uh, in his style, very uh, direct, um, uh, kind of a description of the material existence and in comparison to the to the spiritual ideal um, so uh, anyway it went over the head I guess of that guy as I'm just assuming and his criterion for whether Swamiji was worth listening to was had he performed any miracles hmm? had he could he produce a nugget of gold that would be pretty powerful and pretty impressive Um, of course, in, with regard to those who could, his own question to them was, why only a nugget? <laughs> if you can produce gold, we need more than a nugget to solve all the economic problems. <laughs> if if by doing that, the idea is that you're God, then you should be able to put a mountain of gold. And So, so he didn't take them so um, seriously. There's a famous story in this connection along these lines of the Kumbh Mela of centuries past, which is a big, big festival in India that happens every 12 years, and all the sadhus from different disciplines come and so forth. And and so uh, apparently um, during the Kumbh Mela, somebody is selected as the sadhu of the century or the decade of the Kalpa, of the Yuga, the 12 years. Um, and so this is an old story, but... Um, one fellow uh, walked down the water of the, the river, and so he, he had this lagima siddhi levitation, and he was selected as the most um, most celebrated mystic, most accomplished, most spiritual, most enlightened person. And there was one simple uh, Vaishnava there who, none of whom entered the competition, so to speak, although they were sadhus. And so um, it was apparent to others that he was not taking this selection uh, seriously, and so they asked him why, and he said, well, for less than a rupee, I can cross the river on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the big deal? Spend your whole life to be able to walk across. You know, you spend a lot of energy. Meanwhile, I could have gone back and forth many times. (laughs) So the Vaishnavas have a different idea of what it what it means to be um, enlightened, and it's really some power. I was once talking to a young fellow, and 
who said, I was thinking of joining you. And I said, well, you're, you know, we're welcome to try that, you know, or come, come within our fold. And he said, but there's one thing that holds me back. And I said, what is that? And he said, that I would have to cut off my hair. Now, you don't have to, but he was thinking we were all shaved-headed and so forth. And, uh, and, 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 and I said, uh-huh, so you're thinking that you, you wouldn't want to join because you'd have to shave off, cut off your hair. He said, yeah, and all my power is in my hair. Hmm? And it is possible to have power in your hair. That's a yogic power. This guy didn't have it. I can tell you that. <laughs> but you know, the dreadlocks are a popular thing. Unfortunately, Bhakti Lata is not here, who who does it for a living, cutting or or uncutting. I don't know what it is. You know, making making the dreadlocks of people for the sake of you know fashion. But originally, they were the matted locks were from being un. Lacking vanity, you know, they had to um, cast vanity aside, and they would their nails would grow. Their hair. Another way of doing that, of course, is to clip the nails and to cut the hair. This is the Vaishnavas have a different way. Not all of them do. Some let their hair grow, and so forth, so forth, and so on. So anyway, I said to him, the "Thing is that you're missing the point. That it's not, with the teaching is not about getting power. It's about serving the one who's actually powerful." Hmm? And there's a lot of power in that. A lot of power, a lot of spiritual power in that, right? So, so, um, so, how do we get there? So, uh, so Prabhupada uh, answered the fellow that um, yes, and he pointed. I was sitting, and I maybe he didn't refer only to me, but he said he has given up sex. That's my miracle. <laughs> At the time, I was 25, and one month, one two weeks later, I, he gave me sannyas, which is the renounced order, and so forth. So, it was in 1975. <laughs> so it was a really good answer, <laughs> and the audience was pretty stunned. Yeah, that's supernatural, <laughs> <laughs> especially for 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 them. They were thinking, you know, but it applies to India as well. You can be sure of that. Um, so the point is that the mystics in the different traditions they have they really make a statement by their if they are truly so by their example because they harness the uh, human passions and to the extent that they do that they're demonstrating that life and and a happy life really a blissful life exists beyond this extension of oneself into the world in connection with sense objects, things to hear, sounds to hear, uh, aromas to smell, um, taste to taste, uh, things to forms to see, and so on and so forth. Uh, Rather than that, to look within and find the, the seer, the taster, the hearer, the knower, which is which is not the mind. It's not because we have a mind we know. It's not because we have ears that we hear. It's not because we have eyes that we see any more than these glasses can see. The glasses can see kind of because the eyes can see. But the eyes, how can the eyes cause the glasses to see the object unless the mind is connected? Do you understand? There's a lot of things in this room. You might go out and somebody said, did you see that? 
And someone said, no, I didn't see that. We're all that. Everything's apparent here, but your mind may not be connected to it. Did you hear that? No, I was thinking of something else when Swami was talking. Hmm. So I didn't hear that part because I heard the sound came in, but I didn't hear it because my mind was somewhere else. <laughs> Gotta watch that. Um, <laughs> so, so you have to connect the mind to the sense, and the sense has to be connected with the object hmm, um, to experience it, and and the mind, for for that matter, is itself the sixth sense. So it's one of the senses. So it's part of the world as well, and different in that sense, from the actual seer. Hmm? The actual, like I said, it's not because we have a mind that we know. We know. And if we didn't have a mind, if we could transcend the mind, we would know what it really means to know. Hmm? Because what the, the full knowing, perfect knowing, means to be perfectly happy. If you fully, if you really know, it's not that you know every little detail, but you, it's a, there's a kind of knowing, I should say, which experiencing, one is is convinced there's nothing else that needs to be known. Hmm. That's a very gratifying, satisfying position. Hmm. There's there's absolutely nothing else that needs to be known. Hmm. That is not a kind of knowing that you will arrive at. With your mind, that kind of knowing is arrived at by by closing down the mind, hmm? by stopping the mind from trying to know and capture, really, the knowing, if you will, that is the capacity of the self that exceeds any subtle or psychic or physical manifestations of this world. Hmm? So the self is the knower as much as it is the seer, the hearer. And so these mystics, t- welcome. Make yourself comfortable. So, so, so they, by turning inward hmm, to know the self, hmm, then the objective evidence as to uh, their, uh, their, to kind of support their testimony, the testimony of their experience. I went within. I, 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 I arrived at a kind of knowing that was comprehensive. Hmm. And how, maybe it's just a hallucination, right? Would could be the reply. It's just in your mind. <laughs> uh, you think something's happening, but actually. We looked at it, and this neuron was firing over here, and that one wasn't firing over there, and that's all that was happening was something in the brain. Hmm? In fact, there is no mind. In fact, there is no atma. There's only the natural world. There is nothing supernatural. Hmm? We trace it. Of course, they can't trace it all to the brain and find it all. They can't find you in the brain, the experiencer. The source, the basis of qualitative experiences can't be found. It's, they're looking. Hmm? They're looking in the brain for it. But just can't, they're having a hard time finding it. Hmm? If you study the progress of 
philosophy of mind and so forth. They're, they're not doing a good job. Every, every week there's a new idea out there where you know, it, it's, it satisfies only the one guy who came up with it and all of his peers uh, don't agree and so forth. So what, that's the big question. The big question in modern science is what is the biological basis of consciousness? And our reply is, wrong question. Hmm. There is no biological basis to consciousness. Rather, biology, what, is the biolo- what is the consciousness basis of biology and chemistry? And this is, this is just the other way around. That consciousness is, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the bottom. Hmm? Hmm. The, the, the physical matter, psychic matter, comes out of, out of, out of consciousness. This is an old idea, of course. And Shankar put it something like this: that 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 which cannot be dismissed, that is what is real. So we can dismiss all things that come and go, which is the nature of all things. The whole world is here today and gone tomorrow or the next day, if not tonight. Hmm? Right? In all of its forms, including the sun, it's burning out. Hmm? So here today, it's 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 gone tomorrow. It can all be, in that sense, dismissed as being unreal, like we dismiss things in our dreams often as unreal because the the time period of them is just uh, such a, a fragment of uh, of of a time uh, uh, comparison to our waking states. Things last. Much longer, it would seem, in our waking states or than in our dream state. In a dream state, you could embrace a guy and he could turn into a monster in a minute. In our waking state, it usually takes a few years <laughs> for the guy for the guy to show his real colors. <laughs> so uh, be careful. What do you wish for? But uh, but. Uh, uh, there's only the nature of material forms are everything is in flux constantly transforming and the seed becomes a tree becomes a fruit becomes a seed and go on so on and so forth right so um, and 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 the atma the self is observing it all hmm? And so Shankar said, well, then you can dismiss all of these things because that being not being real because they don't endure. They're asat. They may be here, but they're gone tomorrow, so you can't hold on to them. You can't get any security from them. And you can't get any bliss from them. You can't get any bliss from the things. Only the things that you think are yours or that you fantasize about being yours which is the way in which the, the eye of the ego extends itself into a thing or a, con, a concept that, you, that it identifies with. It's my concept. It's my car that I'm going to get at a certain point. Now it's, it's causing, it, I'm getting some joy from it because the eye has extended itself into the thing through the word my. Hmm? So what is what is making it, giving it some semblance of, of joy 
is that I'm in it. So I am the source of the joy. The self is the source of the joy. The Atma, really, the real self, is the basis of, of love in the world. We don't, as the Upanishads say, it's not that the man loves the wife, the wife loves the husband, but uh, but everyone loves the self. We projected our self into our husband or into our wife. and uh, I don't mean it in a selfish way, but I'm saying that, the, that there's something that's different from matter in terms of its forms that are here today and gone tomorrow, that's enduring, that's observing the whole thing, not only is it is it secure hmm, um, in that it's sat and not asat here today and gone tomorrow, but it, it it's it's not also it's it's not achit or unknowing, non-experiential. Hmm, it's experiential, so it has it, it, it's blissful by nature. It's knowing by nature, and it ex, it it's ex, it exists. So it's sat, it's jit, it's ananda. It is, in Shankar's term, that which cannot be dismissed, because the very act of dismissal is required to dismiss it. Hmm. <laughs> so it's the bottom of everything. You, 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 you understand? I can't dismiss it because the act of dismissal depends upon it. Hmm. If I don't exist, I can't dismiss anything. Hmm. So <laughs> I can't. So so so. This is our idea, and the yogas, sadhana, or the sadhana of the different mystical traditions. They're all, this is what they're all about. They're all for the purpose of demonstrating to oneself, and as a byproduct of that, to anyone else who comes in touch with you, that the theory hmm, that states that there's something called consciousness, which is not just some awareness that you become refined and become more aware of something. Consciousness is more than awareness. Awareness is an aspect of consciousness. But consciousness is, could be, let's say, defined as this sense in all of us that I am. I am. I often say, we think I am this, or we think I am that, and that changes all the time. I think I'm American, I could think I don't want to be an American. And give up your passport and become a Costa Rican or an Indian from nationality. You could, so you could, you could, you could uh, more dramatically, you can change your, your, your sexual orientation. You can t- change your gender. Hmm? So, and, and even without trying, our identity is changing all the time, right? We're a daughter and then the next thing you know, we're a mother and it's different. <laughs> looking at it from the other side. And the next thing you know, you're a grandmother, hmm? which means you start to become like a child again. <laughs> Getting ready for your next birth. <laughs> you need to be taken care of. <laughs> so, I am this or I am that, that's always changing. But in all the I am thises or I am thats, there's one thing that doesn't change, and that is that I am. That I am doesn't change. Hmm? So that's much bigger than I am this or I am that. That's way bigger. Because this and that always changes, but that I am 
that doesn't change. And now you may say, well, that I am is dependent upon the brain or the if your say biological or psychological makeup and so forth. But the real spiritual practice is is the purpose of it is to is to demonstrate to oneself that that's not the case, hmm? that it's not dependent. And so it's an inward type of um, focus, right, rather than outward, that results objectively speaking. The subjective experience, which cannot be validated unless you go there and experience it yourself. How do you know it's not just a hallucination? You went there and <laughs> felt that you knew you you, you were fully satisfied. Well, I'm not hallucinating if I feel like I'm fully satisfied. But but at any rate, it has an objective side where it plays out that the human passions are harnessed, and that is supernatural. Hmm. If one can transcend greed. Lust, you know, we, we talk about truth needing to be objective. We want our politicians to be objective rather than purchased. Um, you know, we don't want them to be in the swamp. We want to, <laughs> somebody said, get rid of the swamp, you know, this is a good idea. So you want people who are, who are, have their self-interest when they're supposed to be representing the interest of the collective, and so forth. So this means to be objective, to be not to be biased, not to be prejudiced, not to be bought and paid for. This objectivity is something that we we all pride. We think we we think of it as being truth. You get to the truth by being objective. Hmm? Just the facts, ma'am. There was an old show. What did they say? Dragnet, it was right. Just the facts, ma'am. Just give us the facts. Hmm. So you know, just follow the facts wherever they take us. We've got to take our emotions out of it. Just wherever it takes us. In science, this is the idea. We just follow the facts. The data is out there. Whatever comes in, we just go by that and so forth. But even the best of white-coated men and women are really only human. So that objectivity that we pride. Um, as being um, uh, the, 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 the way to arrive at truth, that we identify with truth, is something that is easier said um, than done. Right? The humanness of us all means, by that I mean we're frail, we make mistakes, we have biases. We love one, we don't love another. Hmm? We can talk about universal love, but it, but that's a very high thing. Hmm? We don't see it in anybody except the mystics, hmm? and there are not many of them, so you don't see much of it. <laughs> so, but but there are some, and you don't need many. Hmm? You need only one, hmm? only one, and good con company, good good association with that one can give us such impetus, uh, compelling impetus. To undertake the real challenge that spiritual practice uh, involves, it's a huge uh, challenge, and it's hugely, hugely rewarding. Hmm? Nothing can compare to it. But we, but in order to have the the drive and the necessity to be, I mean, a yogi is objective <laughs> to the extreme, hmm? and it's not something you can just do at work. 
it's all the time. Hmm? You're you're on the altar of sacrifice. You put yourself there. Hmm? And there's no. Once I was leading some kirtan, as we were doing earlier, and afterwards a fellow from the audience he said, Swamiji, he was from India. He said, I'm thinking that um, that for spiritual life it should be private. So he was thinking the kirtan was a little public because it was being shared with other people. And he said, I think the spiritual life should be private. Hmm? This is my thinking. What is your comment? So I said to him, I think that spiritual life, there should be no difference between your public and your private life. Hmm? We go to the temple because, you know, it's, it's, or the ashram because it's a, it's a sacred place. They've got an altar to meditate. God is there, there's a flag, God is over here. Hmm? Going there is only as useful as we get the experience of the Godhead and then we turn around and we see he's everywhere. Hmm? So you have to think, I should not conduct myself everywhere else different than I do in a temple. Hmm? So you don't want to universalize your, you know, your, your conception of the deity. And this is important. So, this is the example that mystics and cross-culturally uh, in different traditions set. And it, it really, if we look at it carefully, it objectively speaks to us of the supernatural. That they've actually, you know, people, there's a study of what is the mind, right? From a psychological point of view, from the hard sciences where they try to reduce mind to the brain, largely, and so forth. Well, Yoga is, is, you know, for centuries and centuries has been about mind and uh, and, and and consciousness. Um, big, big, interesting, hot, you know, lucrative topics to get into. They can get some funding to research on that and write a book about it, speculative book about what is the mind and so forth. And and uh, um, but uh, uh, real spiritual practice from the East has, has been a very concentrated study of the mind that plays out such that the that the mind is controlled. Hmm? You're studying the mind, and meanwhile, you know, you got to work to concentrate in your studies because it's you're thinking about your daughter at home and what's your wife going to cook and your son just got in an accident and you know that's for everybody. Hmm? However big a philosopher they are or a scientist and so forth. To control the mind, to capture the mind. Those who can do that, maybe they know something about the mind. Is it possible that that escapes other attempts to understand, <laughs> dissect what what is the mind? Hmm? And of course, their experience is subjective, and they come and report it to us hmm, what it is, and because we're addicted since the time of the scientific uh, revolution of of without objectifying it we can't declare it true hmm? and your subjective experience is, is not taken so um, seriously but I ask him to look at the objective side of the subjective experience which plays out in terms of something observable harnessing the human passions if you're happy, why move? 
Why are you moving? Well, it's a little, I gotta, you know, that side's a little uncomfortable now. <laughs> now this side's a little uncomfortable. Or I'm because I'm moving because something in my mind is taking me somewhere else, right? So if you're full, satisfied, complete, why move? Hmm? Now that said, there is a kind of movement that arises out of fullness. That's another thing. There's movement that arises out of incompleteness that we call karmic movement. And as we move, we take from the environment, and so we owe, and so we perpetuate this kind of movement. There's no stillness, there's no peace in that. So if you can can cease from that, you can come from, as I sometimes say, from negative numbers to zero and be peaceful, not have to move. But then if you're really full, then there's movement that you, of like, well, dancing, I'm full. And you just need to, you don't need to, but it just expresses itself. That's what we call lila, hmm? that kind of movement. We can only depict it in art in ways that correspond to some extent with human activity or speak about it, write about it in words that... That the use of language that it, it transcends, and so forth. But we, but those depictions are powerful, nonetheless. Even though they tran- the, the, the lila itself transcends the descriptions, uh, artistic or um, philosophical, uh, and so forth. And the idea is that there's a realm where there's movement hmm, that is out of bliss. It, and love is a kind of movement. Peace, that's still. You need peace, but you need love too. Peace and love, not just peace. You could have peace, but not love. If you have love, you have no peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's okay. It's a super peace kind of uh, thing. So so the point is that the, that the mystics, they uh, obviously... Yes, they have to die. I mean, that's a given. But I mean, you, we, and we're saying to demonstrate within this temporary body-mind complex, which is a given from the beginning. We said all the material forms come and go. I'm, for the moment, communicating with another person through that medium in this realm. Hmm? But I'm not of this realm. And for all intents and purposes, I can demonstrate it by going within and and not in, 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 in not being in need of going out to be fulfilled hmm? and so I'm peaceful my, my, my senses are controlled I'm, I've tried, one harnesses the human passions this is very powerful this is like he said well these boys have given up sex and people went wow that's a miracle yeah whoa hmm? I understand um so, to uh, to if if and my point here is uh, coming back to the mainstream of the discussion is that amongst mystics who have set this kind of example in the world, it would be useful to make a study and describe the nature of their experience hmm, as they themselves speak about it and as they themselves. Um, demonstrate it through their actions. And 
this one figure amongst them, Sri Chaitanya, I think objectively would stand out as very uh, super uh, extraordinary. Certainly, uh, uh, well, and 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 that uh, maybe we'll go into it a little bit tomorrow. But um, but um, amongst mystics, just by just by the uttering of Krishna's the name of Krishna, one people wonder about Krishna. You know, this is some mytho historical you know figure or idea uh, that uh, of the past should be retired. But simply by by invoking the name in Kirtan, which is what we're talking about, of Krishna, Krishna, these two syllables, he would fall in it to ecstasy and he would weep such that his tears were like, as if they were being shot out of a syringe and bathing the people around him. You can see mystic weep sometime, but like that is very, just to give you one example, very extraordinary. So how real is the is is the name of Krishna? And the name is non-different from the named. Hmm? Here, the perfection of sound is the extent to which it actually captures the object that it seeks to describe. Hmm? So if we can utter a sound that has by which we have categorized the thing and divided the world, but that sound, by hearing it, a sense of the, the object that it describes comes within us, then we, to that extent that, that sound is perfect. That's why we give people nicknames. Just to give you an example, a person's born with a certain name, but then we start to see what they're like, and they're more like the name describes, and the name kind of sounds like them. You know, That sounds like him, because he acts like that. <laughs> right? You know, So... So that becomes the, the, the name that, that is more um, readily invoked. Hmm. So the perfection of the sound is the extent to which it really captures the object that it's been uh, identified with. So with, with regard to kirtan, kirtan, this invoking of nam, in this case, this type of kirtan, nam, there are other types, as I mentioned, but we're focusing on this because as the sacred text has said, this type of kirtan is most efficacious. Nam means name, so what's in a name? Right? Quite a bit. After you, you had your passport stolen and your your driver's license and everything, so they got his name. Now they got everything. They can get into his bank account, everything. can take his whole identity just by getting his name. Somebody calls and your daughter says, oh, somebody called. And said, well, did you get his name? Who was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget. <laughs> but if you give the name, you can trace them down. So, so that, so there, and there are different names, as I was saying earlier, of the that by which the ultimate reality may be identified in static ways, in dynamic expressions of divinity, and so forth. Krishna is, of course, the most dynamic expression of divinity, kind of the heart of all the gods and goddesses, the romantic heart uh, of the absolute. Very. Uh, the very name means all attractive. Hmm? The, uh, the 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 object, the perfect object of of love, that uh, that center that can take all the love that we can get, and as much as it's not motivated by expectation of getting, then if we combine that with the perfect object that can completely take, then we have a recipe for hmm, the full face 
of love. So this kirtan is, is, is meant to bring this about. It's an anga, a limb of the body of the discipline of bhakti, which is the it's a odd way, odd way to describe the discipline of bhakti. Bhakti means love, um, is service. So it's a disciplining of oneself to to, to serve rather than to, and to take, to give rather than to take through our senses, through our minds, and so forth. And then we we, we have ways of capturing those uh, taking tendencies and the instruments through which we are inclined to do so, hmm? so that they become instruments of giving. And they take us then into the mystery of the of the self and its its prospect, its possibilities. It's one thing to say there's a difference between consciousness and dead matter and I am consciousness. Whoo, that is huge. But then, is there anything more to say about it than that? What possibilities? What is the prospect of consciousness within consciousness? What is the consciousness of consciousness? That's kind of the questions that. Uh, are asked by our uh, tradition, and that this kirtan is um, has the capacity to reveal. So, Sri Chaitanya was, uh, uh, um, objectively speaking, and this is not to diminish any other tradition, but uh, uh, he was super extraordinary with regard to being an example of the supernatural, um, an objective example of that. And of course, the teachings that have come out of, the, of his ecstasy, which I have compared at other times, like 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 Niagara Falls, a great waterfall that you just, his ecstasy, you would just have to stand back in, in awe of. But his immediate um, community uh, surrounding him then took that waterfall and turned it into a lake through their theology that we could approach it through the through the, the literature, understand it, and bathe in it, drink from it, and so forth, and uh, um, enter into that um, ecstasy of of love of God. And the principal medium for this, the the, the, ma- the method to his madness, was this kirtan hmm? that uh, that we uh, is our uh, principal practice. The question tonight is about a section of our texts in which. There's a discussion as to kirtan and versus smarnam. Smarnam means means literally means to remember. It's a word that is used in the bhakti tradition for for meditation. Smarnam. Hmm? So kirtanam, kirtan and kirtanam smarnam. Hmm? So there's a discussion between the two about the two, the efficacy of the two, which is more important. Um, uh, how does one work with the other? And the question further is, why are those two limbs, if you will, of the body of bhakti emphasized when there are many limbs of the body of bhakti? In the words, in the in the uh, uh, bhakti is a popular idea word now, but I mean there are some uh, very uh, authoritative books on the subject that that would that would be worth reading because um, bhakti, if bhakti means love, then we want it to be, to, to use the title of Pranada's recent book, we want it to be wise, wise love, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, we want our love to be well, well-reasoned. So uh, again, if it's not well-reasoned, we may 
love this or that and not realize it's really myself that I'm loving. As I said earlier, the consciousness has 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 bliss, has ananda, has love. Things don't. Hmm? Um, when they matter to us, we extend ourselves into them, and then they seem to have something under themselves, but they don't. And then we have ourselves have a source as well. So we need a significant consciousness other in our life, so to speak, to love comprehensively, which is the way in which I said earlier, two become one and remain two. <laughs> in love, you and I become we. That's a dynamic kind of union. We don't cancel out one another hmm? and just have peace. Huh. There's no differences of opinion anymore. So you're going to have peace. There's nobody else to, <laughs> to, to, to discuss it with. Hmm? But you have love. You have to have differences. Hmm? <coughs> huh? Even some strong differences. Uh, don't get in the middle of that as a third party. <laughs> that is a, that's a for certain face of love also. If you weren't attached, you wouldn't be angry, right? But if she, if she didn't mean that much to you, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be upset. You're upset anyway. So that's just material example to draw on. But um, in, for example, Bhakti Rasamrita a major tome on the subject of bhakti, the likes of which is you know there's there's nothing to compare if you want to study the book from a from the Point of view of the, the the sacred text of the Hindus, what is what is bhakti? There um, there are 64 different limbs, angas of the angi or the body of bhakti. In other words, there are ways in which you can be engaged in bhakti physically, mentally, verbally. So there are angas of bhakti that you can do physically, that you can do mentally, that you can do verbally, and so, and so it's, it's the idea is to consume the whole of your biological, psychological complex in bhakti, which then brings out the self and its prospect and and so forth for for loving, for being and loving, being knowing and loving. So, so the question is, why are these two angas in that particular section emphasized? Smaranam, which is meditation and kirtanam and discussion between the two well uh, the answer is first of all besides the long introduction i've just given uh, is that um is that in the book the great bhagavatam which is the theological sequel to the bhagavad-gita shrimad bhagavatam the angas of bhakti that are emphasized hmm, are really three and a half. There is hearing, so you can do bhakti by hearing. You can do bhakti by speaking. So that's what we're doing here. You're hearing. I'm speaking. I'm also hearing. And you can also speak. Yes, we have time for questions. So, in fact, you're speaking. Result in my hearing resulting in my speaking. So this is a form of hearing and uh, and chanting, if you will. And hearing and chanting result in remembering. What you hear and what you speak about is primarily what you're going to think about. 
So be careful what you say, be careful what, what you listen to. What you listen to, you're going to talk about. What you talk about, you're going to think about. And especially you're going to think, I'm saying that now. I really should be doing that. <laughs> if, you're, uh, if you're explaining what you're doing to somebody else who asks, what are those beads, for example? See, this is also to help you. What are those beads? And you say, well, hey, we, uh, where do I begin? <laughs> somebody at the counter says, those are nice beads. Where did you get those? So, of course, we, this is part of our ritual for initiation and so forth, and they come from the sacred basil, and where do you begin, you know, and why, and so forth. But they have protected you there because they've, they've made you remember what you are, what you are about, what, what is the hub around which your life is orbiting, which is your spiritual practice. There are other things that we do, but we have to try to see that other things that we do um, are, become part of the vertical growth that we're concerned with. And so for vertical growth, you need some horizontal growth. If you want to make a big building, you need a foundation. So the thing to do is to, is to, is to build that foundation with vertical growth in mind. Hmm? Then you can make the ordinary things that you have to do, the things that you need emotionally to feel whole, economically to feel comfortable so that you can go up and meditate and spend time in that without your mind being distracted by, I really wish I had, I feel lonely. I wish I had somebody else to be a significant uh, partner to share with and so forth. It keeps drawing on me. So Swami speaks about sitting, but I can't sit. So get that and sit together (laughs) is the idea. And, uh, and and work out, and so then you, you, you gradually, this is, a, this is the art of it, if you will, the skill of it, the practice, is that you, you, you connect this horizontal development with vertical development so that they are not a separate thing. Hmm? And that, that requires a lot of integrity hmm? and honesty. Hmm? So I, I need this. My family needs that, and and so we don't need more than that, and and uh, something from we should go to helping from for for example from our economy perhaps to help make po- festivals like this possible kind of thing, and and so we we draw the we, we connect the horizontal with the vertical, and and it, in the, in the life's just not about vertical, or, excuse me, horizontal forever, you know. Just keep making, and that's material life. You keep making this bigger base with the idea that you're going to go up and reach new heights and you never get there. Hmm. You never go anywhere. You're always on the ground. Hmm. You're going to jump up and touch the stars, but you never get anywhere, really. Hmm. You've just moved the furniture around, that's all. You just changed the furniture, decorated it in a different way. You haven't gone anywhere. Hmm. In fact, you're a human being but all you've done is really eat, sleep, mate, and protect yourself, which animals are doing without having to think about it. Hmm? Animals are doing it without having to think about it. Nature provides them its built-in system of defense, relative as it is. Each species has a defense mechanism. and They know what to eat. Unlike us, they know how to mate. They know... Uh, <laughs> um, how to sleep. We, of course, are confused about all these things. 
The reason is because we are meant to pursue something else primarily, which will cause those things to fall into place automatically. And that is, why am I? A why question, a, mean, a quality question, not a quantity question. And where is the quality question coming from? It's not coming from nature, which is, let's say, quantitative. It has velocity, it has weight, it, 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 etc. Uh, quality comes from consciousness, value, purpose, meaning, all comes from consciousness. So consciousness in human life means the Atma, the self, that's in every species is, in human life has come to a position that it can ask about itself. It can ask about the asker. That's what human life should be lived for. Jivo, jiva sitatva jignasu, nartoyascheya karma bhi. Jiva sitatva jignasu, nartoyascheya karma bhi. Jiva sitatva jignasu. Human life should be lived. Kamasyanandriya priti, labo jivete abhata. Kamasyanandriya priti. Kama means lust. The lust for things. Kamasya, Nayindriya Priti. Kam means the Indriya Priti. Indriya means the senses. It includes the mind. Priti, love of the senses, love of the dictates of the mind, the oppressive dictates of the senses. Hmm? Love of that. It's nice. Poetry. Kamasya, Nayindriya Priti. Now, Indriya Priti is Kama. <laughs> love of the senses hmm, is lust. It's really not love at all. It's a, it's a labor. It's a dissatisfied condition. Love is a satisfied condition. Love, some people say something, what's wrong with lust? It's a dissatisfied condition. You figure it out. Hmm? Love is, is, is a different thing. So love of the senses, that's lust. Kama sin Indriya Priti. Life should not be lived for love of the senses. And that is what modern society, that's what modern society is promoting largely. Hmm? And, 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 and there's so many choices. There's so many. That's what freedom is thought of. The more choices you have, the more freedom you have, the more way that you can you can adjust the furniture. Hmm? There's no change. There's no radical change here. Just moving the furniture, painting a different color. Hmm? It's 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 as if you came for a meal and all you got was appetizers, just a carrot. It result is indigestion, no square meal. Hmm? You can, no matter how you feed the senses, and feed the mind's demands, hmm? you'll never be satisfied because you're not the mind, and you're not the body. Hmm? And that's why, if you were the mind and the body, then it would stand to reason that if you could have at your disposal anything that anybody could want for their mind and body, you'd find perfectly happy people. Hmm? Right? 
there are people that could buy the whole country practically. Hmm? There's people that are so um, disgustingly uh, um, wealthy hmm, that anything that, that any of us wanted, they could buy it all for themselves in, in, a, in a moment. Hmm? Are they illustrious examples of perfectly happy people. No, there's not there's not one of them. Hmm. If you were the body and you were the mind and then you could give the body and mind all it could ever want, think of, or touch, or taste. Hmm. But no, it's, the more you get, the more you want. And so let's go to the moon. To do what? For God's sake, what will you do there? Is that a big accomplishment? You go to Mars. It's, a, it's a pretty far out. I mean, I have to admit, and there, there's up there, and they went there. It's pretty cool, but for what? Isn't that more important? What are you going to do there? Hmm? Find something else to eat? <laughs> Haven't got enough restaurants here. <laughs> well, preserve yourself. That's a losing. You know, that's not happening. Hmm? You know, the death rate is it's still 100%. You know, the, and so the myth of modern materialism is, is, is no different than the religious and spiritual ideas that drive uh, that sector of people. Hmm? Um, it's, it, 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 um, materialism as a philosophy, it's after the same thing. You can't get away from it. Hmm? Everybody wants to live forever. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to demonstrate that people are robots. And we're going to take their consciousness and then we're going to put it in a, into a machine that's not going to be as susceptible to the kind of frailties that the human body is. We're going to download it or upload it and and then we're going to live together, you know, forever in a, in a machine or at least longer. So that that's the whole idea. They want to live forever. Hmm? They want what they are, but don't know how to realize it. Hmm? <laughs> you are forever. Do you ever do you ever have any experience of not existing? Then why should you think that you won't, you won't at some point? Hmm? What you see is what you know, what you experience. But you you know by your experiences that I exist. That I know for sure. Nothing else is sure. That's the one thing you know. I exist. Do I know that you exist? I think that you do. But I know that I do by my experience. This is subjective. I can't demonstrate it objectively, but it's the truth that I hold most dear, and everyone does. So much for the necessity for objectifying everything for it to become true. This is the truth that we all live every single day. We get up every morning. I am. I exist. Hmm? So to, to 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 so spiritual life is for that, right? For coming to know thyself, its prospect, its possibility. That and and this means vertical growth. Now the human society is just all this. Keep spreading it out. We're going to build this big building. We're going to make everything perfect. We just need a bigger foundation. Other ways to do it. And so, but it never goes up. Nothing changes. I mean, really. Hmm? You know, it used to be spears. You know, 
now they're using something else, you know. They're using money for wars or whatever. I mean, it's just the same thing. It's just so life should not be lived for love of the senses hmm? not human life it's, it offers you a much more valuable opportunity what is that the opportunity to inquire about the, the nature of the self hmm? and an ardent make an ardent inquiry not a not a casual inquiry an ardent inquiry hmm? I want to know and I'm and I, I'm prepared to, to. I want to know because, and and I, and I want to put into practice that by which I can know, having heard. Hmm? Kirtan is a way to put into practice. Hmm? Hmm? Right? This is the way. This is our main main way. Hmm? So, in in amongst angas limbs of the body of bhakti, there are many. They're meant. The idea is to consume the whole of your life hmm? so that everything you're doing, even ordinary things, become really properly understood part of your spiritual uh, progress, your vertical vertical growth. You feel, you feel I need a to be in a relationship to feel whole, so get it, put it together, do it. Hmm? And then the wholeness that you get from that, you use that primarily, that energy for... For spiritual progress, hmm? then then your partner becomes worshipable. <laughs> it becomes an extension of the very object that you you are pursuing, hmm? it, the Godhead, hmm? coming to to coming to assist me. This yeah. how to sacralize sacralize make sacred. Your whole, your whole life, every aspect. This is what bhakti is about. It's not like you do it over here in the morning, and then you go over here and you do something else. It's like it's, it's a, there's some skill to this. Hmm. So that said, in the Bhagavat, again the sequel to the Gita, then these particular angas are emphasized: hearing, as I said, the chanting, kirtan, and the remembering or meditating. And the other half is what we call archon. Archon means to 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 um, to function in the realm of ritual, which is a realm that's in between the transcendental and the material, where material elements are brought in, incorporated into um, into the realm, and and the god it becomes approachable through the deity. For example, let's say if you want to love God, it goes, okay, I want to love God. How do I do it? So well, I invite him over for lunch. How do you love anybody? You say, would you like to get lunch? What do you think? Could I, you want to, you know, that's one of the first lines. Would you like to, you know, could I take you out for dinner or something like that? So it's very practical. So here we cook for Krishna, right? So the, 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 the deity of Krishna is established through different <laughs> mantra and ritual and so forth. And then all the practices that we would engage in if we love someone hmm, who was living with us, we, we would we engage in all those things. It's very just down to earth. It's not a big essence. How do you love God? Oh, stand on my head, you know. <laughs> no, cook something for God's sake, you know. <laughs> Gotta eat. So, uh, and then we... 
And then we, you know, we living as the Savites, as the servants, we take the we take the remnants, what's left over, you know, and so forth. And so it's just a whole. So Archon, I say it's it's half because it's it tends to be a aspect of the culture that um, in, in time is by entering the realm of ritual, one passes through it, so to speak. And all that's happening externally, if you will, on the altar is now appearing within, internally. Hmm? And so one's starting to enter the inner um, realm of Lila. So this is then Smarnam. So the, so the Kirtan it, it, and Archon and so forth and, uh, and, and hearing, they are meant to promote this Smarnam. Hmm. Um, and um, and in that section that you're talking about, kirtan and smarnam are both being discussed, and the the which one is more important is being discussed, so to speak. And there's two ways to look at it. Kirtan is a medium through which this internal arresting of the mind hmm, can be accomplished. And if 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 the if the smarnam is the goal, then the smarnam must be more important than the kirtan. But if you can't arrive at the smarnam without the kirtan, then the kirtan must be more important. So this is the discussion that goes back and forth. And then there's also this: there's kirtan as a means to smarnam, and then there's kirtan that comes out of smarnam. That's very peculiar, very interesting. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embodied. He wasn't doing kirtan to affect smarnam, but his kirtan was an expression arising out of the smarnam. So it's on both sides of the equation. Hmm? The kirtan is on both sides, and so therefore it's given um, emphasis. And hearing, of course, is there. You know, you say, here's the ear, and here's the tongue, and here's the mind in between. So you can capture it like this. So kirtana prabhave, smarana subhave. But the power of the kirtan and it's an art too. I mean, it's 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 not just you know like going to the disco or something like that, jumping around. It it's and that's why we give a little philosophy and it's a properly understood. It's a sacred type of um, song and so forth. But by the power of that, the mind can very very quickly uh, be 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 arrested, and um, and and the um, yeah, bhava can be affected ecstasy will uh, flow and then you know what's the question of controlling the senses if if you're if you're um, uh, if you're ex- inner, inner inwardly ex- exploding in uh, ecstasy in, in in a way that again if you could take a a needle and a syringe and take all the material happiness that you could get together in one what do they call it one syringe and Give it to yourself. It would put you to sleep compared to a little, little bit of bhava. Just a little bit of bhava. It would change your life forever. And in gatherings like this, and this is why we have these kind of festivals and so forth, they can be a little intense um, sometimes with uh, uh, glass like this, discussion, then kirtan, and then um, taking a meal, and then more kirtan, and what, it goes on for a couple of days. And so but in the in the context of this, as we find, for example, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, one can get a bhas, 
the shadow of Bhav. It's very powerful, very compelling. Things. One thing is, whoa, this is what I, this is otherworldly. Hmm? This, and, 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 and there are symptoms to this. You don't have to imagine in your mind, am I, am I making progress here? It's, I'll give you an example and we'll conclude with this. I've told it before, but some of you haven't heard. So there was a girl and she was pregnant and she was about to come into labor. So she, as she told her mom, mom, I'm going to take a little rest. If I go into labor, would you please wake me up? And mom said, when you go into labor, <laughs> you'll know you're in labor. You want me to tell you. So when you get Bob, you'll know you, what, what is Bob. Of course, there are descriptions of it also, so that you can know what is not Bob. <laughs> so, smarnam, kirtanam, some thoughts on that. What else? What is the time? Seven. Seven. Okay. All right. So we have Kirtan now upstairs, right? No? Now Prashadam. Okay. Now we're going to take a meal. Thank you all very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Guru Gauranga Kirya. Hare Krishna. 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 Hare